Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of CT Evaluation with Thoracic Aorta, uh, looking at the post-operative period. And we were speaking about some of the complications, and we left off right here, sternal dehiscence on CT. And CT is very good at looking at complications in the chest wall, whether it's in the subcutaneous tissues or retrosternal space, or the sternum itself, whether it's displacement of sternal wires, rotation of sternal wires, fracture of the sternal wires, or widening of the metastinal stripe, those are all things we tend to look at. Patients have often used, uh, or we've often used plain films for evaluation of these patients. Though plain films do have obviously significant limitations, CT is the study of choice if you're suspecting complications. So for sternal dehiscence, it occurs in up to 7% of patients. There's an increased risk in patients who are obese, patients with lung disease, diabetes, renal disease, patients on steroids, or as a reoperation. And that's probably not a surprising list. Those are just high-risk patients. CT findings include displacement of the sternal wires, sternal erosion or cleft within the synonymy site. Associated metastinitis would not be considered uncommon. Here's a patient, post-aortic root replacement, chest pain and swelling. You can see the soft tissue swelling, particularly in the pectoralis major muscle on the left. But then you look at both halves of the sternum. There's a dehiscence. There's no wire crossing there. There's some retrosternal fluid. Classic example for sternal dehiscence. You can look at that same case here, and you can see in this example, you see the large wound that's present. You can see the hardware in place. You can see the, how the hardware has pushed off to the right. The space has widened. There's dehiscence of that wound there. And you can see with color coding, you can see it very nicely as well. So we're able to look. In this case, there's no fractures. It's just simply displaced. Or in this case, where you can see that the patient uh, has a medial stenotomy, and you can see the dehiscence, and you can see that the hardware has become this large. It's still fixed within the right half of the sternum, but the left half, it's been displaced. Now, sometimes we do see widening, and it's hard to say, could this be infection? Could this be an abscess? Is this post-operative change? It could be somewhat tricky. So it's not always easy, but the 3Ds can make it very simple. So we find that coronals and 3D indeed work very nicely. Now, one of the important things in terms of these patients is to recognize what is in a complication. So in the post-operative period, you need to know what was done to the patient. That gives you a better idea about what you should see. Was it a simple repair or was it a complicated elephant trunk procedure? What's going on? If there's high-density material present, is that blood or cured? could it simply be surgical material? So you really need to know what's been done to that patient and what you can expect to see. And of course, we all know often that information is relatively lacking. Hyperdense surgical material like felt strips and felt pledgets can simulate extravasation. The way you get around this is do non-contrast scans. If you haven't done a non-contrast scan and you think you have a leak and maybe it's not a leak, simply wait about 60 seconds. If it's a uh, foreign body like a, like a pledget, it's going to be the same density 60 seconds later. If it's a leak, it'll usually be decreasing, occasionally be increasing, but it's not going to be the same. So if you look at this case, you say, oh my goodness, look at the contrast study. I think there's a leak anteriorly, 
And then when you looked at the non-contrast, you would see that was just simply felt material. Very, very important that article by Prescott does make the point that foreign bodies, normal foreign bodies, pledges, conduits, reanastomatic sites may mimic pathologic processes. So indeed, you need to be very, very careful. Another article by FAM looking at some of the complications of aortic valve surgery. MR and CT have an emerging role as diagnostic tools complementary for detection and monitoring of complications after AVR. And that the choice of which study you do depends on the individual patient and on the clinical situation, how acute it might be. Another article by Sai made the point, the concordance of CT for diagnosing and localizing prostatic valve disorders, 100%. Except difficulties occur with beam hardening, uh, but when you get around that and it's less of a problem now, we have different ways of doing things including dual energy, so we're really good at detecting these complications. Now another thing people do speak about is we're going to talk about complications from cardiac surgery, long versus short term. Short term being under 30 days. You could see complications of prior interventions. You could see complications related to management of the patients. For example, is this patient on anticoagulant therapy? They commonly will have complications like bleed. Here's a patient who had an AVR, and when you look very carefully on this gated acquisition, you could at first see that the patient has a low-density lesion adjacent to the AVR, and that's the thrombus. You could see it here as well. So if you see a low density adjacent to the leaflets of aortic valve, you better be thinking thrombus. And here it is again when you look at it, and you're looking at it in the sagittal view. So just a very, very nice uh, set of appearances showing that very well. And it's very important to be able to look at these things carefully. Now, I remember I mentioned that we always gate these studies. You see the importance of gating. That indeed works very nicely. But also, one of the things you can do is, if you're worrying about the valve, is acquire the information retrospectively and then try to do a 3D and 4D display. So you can see in this case, as you look at the images, I have a 4D display and I can show the valve leaflets opening, but the leaflet on the, uh, on the right side, you can see is not opening as well as it should. There's, there's a problem with that leaflet, obviously, and um, you can see very nicely the, that the leaflet is abnormal. And again, the 4D components work very nicely in that regard. Here's another example, same patient. You can see as we look, I, I really targeted down in volume rendering to the leaflets, you can see that one leaflet is not functioning, is not opening all the way. So again, 4D display is very good for looking at the function of the leaflets that indeed can be very, very important. You can see in this case, I showed you very nicely that even on the prosthetic valves, you can see the presence of vegetations. Here's another patient, routine post-op study, where there is a vegetation on the patient's aortic valve. Very nicely shown. If you didn't have gated acquisition, there's no chance you would see this. And you can see it's a little small structure. But there it is, very, very obviously. And I could target down on that, getting a few different perspectives, a few different planes. And you can see very nicely that uh, filling defect right there. Very nicely shown. 
Now, another thing I do look at in the post-op patient is the pericardium. I look at that in the pre-op patient as well. Normal pericardium being under two millimeters thick. It's not unusual to see fluid in the pericardium, particularly the underside of the pericardium, usually up to 50 cc's of fluid. Pericardial recesses can be confused with adenopathy or other masses, so you don't want to make that mistake. Uh, this article by Raja on the pericardium, CT is a powerful diagnostic tool for evaluation of the pericardium and its abnormalities. Knowledge of the normal recesses and sinuses is essential to avoid misdiagnosis. Functional imaging is useful in the evaluation of pericardial constriction and tamponade. And here's just one nice example of pericardial, pericardial hemorrhage. Pleural effusions bilaterally, but a beautiful example of hemorrhage. Remember, hemorrhage is high CT attenuation. Nothing very tricky in this case or in this set of images as well. As pericardial fluid or hemorrhage gets larger, you could have tamponade. You see enlargement of either the SVC or IVC, periportal edema, reflux of contrast into the IVC and azicus vein, and enlargement of the hepatic uh, renal veins as well can be seen. So you can see there are a number of things I need to look at. Concluding then, CT is critical in the management of the patient with aortic surgery. It's critical in the pre-op evaluation and it's critical in the post-op evaluation. It's important to understand the complications you will see and make certain your protocols really match what you're looking for. If you don't do a good protocol, if you don't provide the contrast material, you're going to miss so much. CT angiography and post-processing techniques are often critical in detection of many of the complications. In this case, the pseudoaneurysms, you might say, are going to be obvious after the fact, but that's after the fact. Originally, they can be very easy to miss. So again, it's important to be aware of the complications of aortic root surgery and know how you can best monitor them and know what you can expect, and this way you can provide a very strong service to your referring clinician. And with that, I'll stop there, and thank you for your attention.